You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. We could use a good sex scandal right about now. One or two or three to distract us, if only for a moment, from the state of the world, which is, as I'm sure I don't need to tell you, not good. Now, when I talk about a good sex scandal, I don't mean anything non-consensual or clerical, and I don't mean something like the New York Post finding out a paramedic has an OnlyFans account because paramedics aren't paid for shit, and then outing her and ruining her life, which happened just a couple of years ago. No, those aren't good sex scandals. What I prefer and longtime listeners are no doubt familiar with my sex scandal preferences, what I prefer is some family values conservative asshole getting caught doing something, well, to be honest, getting caught doing something I might have signed off on in a professional capacity if someone who wasn't a conservative family values Republican wrote in and asked for my okay to go do that thing. And you know what? There was a really good sex scandal like that just a few weeks ago. But it kind of fell through the cracks because the news is what the news is right now. But I don't think we can afford to let a good sex scandal go to waste. Not at the moment. We need sex scandals right now, like audiences during the Depression needed Busby Berkeley musicals. So for you, for my listeners, I'm going to reach into the crack this sex scandal fell into. I am going to grease up my arm to the elbow and reach deep into this crack and pull this sex scandal out and share it with you because I care. All right, without a doubt, you all remember that ad the Club for Growth ran against Howard Dean in 2004, or not. Most of you probably don't even remember who Howard Dean is. He was the Democratic governor of Vermont, and he ran against George W. Bush in 2004, which is back when we all innocently believed that George W. Bush would go down in history as the worst president we'd ever had or ever would have. Dean, for a moment, for a few months, was insanely popular with young people. You could say Howard Dean was Bernie Sanders before Bernie Sanders became Bernie Sanders. And for a hot minute there in 2004, it really looked like Dean might get the Democratic nomination. So the Republicans threw everything they could at him. In an infamous ad created by the Club for Growth, they accused Dean of, well, being every elitist Democratic stereotype. So in the ad, an elderly couple is leaving a diner because, of course, they're leaving a diner, always with the fucking diners. And the elderly couple is asked what they think of Howard Dean. And here's what they say. Well, I think Howard Dean should take his tax hiking, government expanding, latte drinking, sushi eating, Volvo driving, New York Times reading, body piercing, Hollywood loving, left wing freak show back to Vermont where it belongs. I remember thinking at the time, really, I do, honestly, I do. I remember thinking at the time, you could slip life swapping into that ad so easily. Tax hiking, government expanding, latte drinking, sushi eating, Volvo driving, wife swapping, New York Times reading. It just fits. It kind of flows. But, of course, no Democrat had been outed as a swinger at that time. So it wasn't in there. If a single Democrat had been outed as a swinger, it would have been. But now, if anyone's ever going to make a version of this classic attack ad with wife swapping in it, it's going to have to be an attack ad that attacks a Republican candidate, not a Democratic one. 
Because there is one politician out there who is an unapologetic swinger, and it's not a Dem. It's Stan Pulliam. He is another small-town Republican mayor. I seem to have a thing lately for small-town Republican mayors. But this one isn't fighting the creation of a red-light district and a bunch of ice fishing huts on a frozen lake. Stan Pulliam is the mayor of Sandy, Oregon, population 11,000, suburb of Portland, and Pulliam has ambitions. He wants to be governor of Oregon, and he's currently seeking the GOP nomination. And he is, and I'm quoting from his campaign website here, a proud pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-medical freedom, cough, cough, anti-vaxxer, and pro-private property rights conservative. He's a loud Trump supporter. He's endorsed the big lie that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, which Donald Trump did not do. And Pulliam says on his campaign website that Donald Trump did not incite a violent mob to storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, which we all watch that motherfucker damn well do. Pulliam also wants to bring Republican voter suppression efforts to Oregon. And, and Pulliam recently appeared on One American News Network, or One American News Network, which is home of the truly lunatic right-wing fringe where he condemned Portland, Oregon as a city full of dangerous and deranged and degenerate liberals. The good people of Sandy, Oregon, the people Polium represents, are frightened of the people of Portland, Oregon, says their mayor. But there was a time not too long before that appearance on One American News Network when Polium was only too happy to fuck with Portland or to fuck with Portlanders. Hi, everyone, read the message Pulliam posted to the public Facebook page of a swingers group in Portland that he and his wife joined in 2016. Mackenzie and I are excited to be added to your little community. Some of you we have already had the pleasure to meet, and we look forward to getting to know the rest of you. Credit to Willamette Week in Portland, Oregon, which broke the story. And the story went places. It got some traction. Republican candidate for governor engages in wife swapping. But it was quickly drowned out by bigger, worse, and more important stories. But attention must be paid. And really, if we can't take note of this story here on my show, where can we take note of it? So I'm going to note a couple of things. I want to highlight that Pulliam did not deny it. He probably couldn't deny it because there were Portlanders at these parties that he went to with his wife. He did say that it's a private sexual and family matter, which it would be, or that would have some credibility if Republicans hadn't spent decades politicizing the private sexual choices and family structures of others. He also refused to drop out of the race because he says being a swinger or having been a swinger, this is behind Stan and McKenzie, having been a swinging couple makes him a better and more relatable candidate. Quote, I think people can relate from all different parts of the state who have been involved in marriages, Stan told the Sandy Post. There are different stages of marriage and different ebbs and flows. I'm not sure if he's classifying watching other men fuck your wife as an ebb here. That would be tide going out or as a flow. That would be tide coming in, but it's definitely one or the other. Oh, and the Sandy Post, decent local newspaper, lousy, anal, insertable. Also, Pulliam is out there arguing that swinging in the past is entirely consistent with his small-town, down-home conservative values because he's for freedom. And the government says Stan shouldn't be telling us who we can sleep with. Don't we all remember how it was the freedom-loving Republicans who supported repealing 
anti-gay and anti-straight sodomy laws, the kinds of sodomy laws that Stan and his wife violated at those parties, and freedom-hating Democrats who wanted to keep sodomy laws on the books. Uh, yeah, we don't remember that because that is not what happened. Republicans backed and still back sodomy laws that criminalize consensual sexual conduct between adults, not Democrats. But I'm going to reach across the aisle here. Or I'm going to reach around Stan and say that I agree with him. I don't think the government should be telling us who we can sleep with before or after or if we marry. But the government also shouldn't be telling us we can't use contraceptives or get abortions. And in my experience, the same people who don't want us using birth control or getting abortions don't want us spit roasting the wives of small town mayors while those small town mayors watch or spit roasting small town mayors while their wives watch, which of course I'm all for. While I would never endorse the Republican mayor of a small town for governor or anything else, the spit roasting of spouses at sex parties in Portland, that I can endorse. In fairness to Stan, he wanted us to know that if anyone was getting spit roasted at those parties, it wasn't him. I'm a heterosexual male, Stan told the Sandy Post, lousy insertable, and I've only personally engaged in heterosexual activity. Apparently, Mrs. Pulliam was not available for comment. In a video posted to his Twitter account after the scandal broke, Stan, whose case of gay face is almost as severe as his case of gay voice, so you can go to Stan's Twitter feed and see for yourself why Stan might have wanted to get out in front of accusations that something gay might have been going on at those parties. Anyway, Stan, in a video posted to his Twitter, reflected on the week he'd had after the scandal broke. Hi, everyone. Mayor Stan here uh, with Mackenzie doing some takeout after after a long day. So how was your guys' week? Ours? Well, it was, it was interesting. Stan has amazingly not dropped out of the race. Stan has also amazingly raised more money than anyone else running for the GOP nomination in Oregon. And it looks like Stan might, less surprisingly, get Trump's endorsement, which would put him over the top. And the attack ad that's coming, if Stan is the nominee... Well, it kind of writes itself. What do I think of Stan Pulliam? Well, I think Stan Pulliam should take his gun-hugging, deadly virus-spreading, insurrection-excusing, Trump-enabling, big-lie-spreading, wife-swapping, Breitbart-reading freak show back to Sandy, Oregon, where it belongs. Well, everything but the wife-swapping. Gotta go to Portland for that. All right, coming up on today's show, lifestyle clubs. What are they? And how do you find one that Stan Pulliam isn't in. I try to alleviate a straight dude's worries and on the Magnum strap in tight because we have got a what do you got about the world's worst sounding disaster that has ever made the medical literature. And a quick correction. Last week I said Pornhub had banned people in Russia from accessing their website and all the porn on it. Apparently that was not true. Snopes busted that. Sorry about spreading that little bit of disinformation. Russians can still see porn on Pornhub. Maybe Pornhub should do something about that and join the sanctions campaign. All right, let's get to it. Me Undies makes feel-good underpants your butt will be proud to wear and you will be proud to be seen in. They will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And to check it out yourself, go to meundies.com slash savage. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. 
Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. 30-something cis straight guy here in Philadelphia. Calling with a question about hooking up at lifestyle clubs, which is not something that I know anything about at present. I'm calling because I'm I'm single, I'm on the apps, and I match with someone who is married, but in an E&M relationship, and we're having a conversation about what that would mean if we got together, if we hooked up, and it seems very intriguing, very promising. And then she says... The terms of this ENM relationship are that she can only hook up with people at a lifestyle club, which actually wasn't even a term I had ever heard before. Uh, I guess it's, you know, I've looked it up, I googled it. It seems like it's a public sex club. So she says she can only do this because that guarantees that it's safer. Okay, that sounds great to me. That, that, that takes some of the uh, the weirdness out of it for her, that we're in this kind of semi-public, semi-private environment. If she feels like that's for her safety, uh, I'm totally on board, except <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I had to Google what a lifestyle club was. I'm not familiar with this arrangement at all, and I just feel like a total newbie here. I guess my main concern is I'm mostly interested with hooking up with this one person, if I go to a lifestyle club, is the expectation going to be that there's going to be a lot of swapping and other people? I mean, I don't know what it's like inside. Can I, I mean, can I go on a little tour first? Or is there like a book I can read or something? And then on top of this, this request that she's making seems reasonable to me, but it's also totally foreign to me. Is this like a regular dynamic that people have? Uh, have you heard of this before? Is this somehow... Is it maybe a scam? Is she like a recruiter for the Lifestyle Club and she wants to get me to buy a membership there or something? Anything you can do to clarify this for me would be amazing. Thank you very much. It could be a scam. Anything could be a scam. But I think it's unlikely to be some sort of membership-boosting scam that a Lifestyle Club, which is basically a bathhouse for straight people where couples go together... No lifestyle club is going to want to run a scam that ups the numbers of single straight men who have memberships who are standing around. It's really important for lifestyle clubs that are for heterosexuals or bisexual women and heterosexual men to have a balance, to have an equal number of men and women there. Because if there are too many men, women don't feel safe. And if there are too many men, women flee a lifestyle club is actually a pretty good venue for a woman in an open relationship, an ethically non-monogamous relationship. It's a pretty good venue for her to arrange to have uh, her hookups with, with men, not that she's meeting at the club, but that men she's meeting online or on dating apps, as opposed to going to your apartment or meeting up in a hotel room. You know, the cliche of the pretty woman who lures a guy is not luring a guy, or the cliche, the urban legend, is not a woman who lures a guy to buy a membership in a lifestyle club to boost their roles, to ruin the club, actually, to destroy the club in the long run, because then there'll be too many male members. The cliche is the woman who lures the guy to a hotel room where then he wakes up six hours later 
in a bathtub full of ice missing both his kidneys. I think you're safer going to this lifestyle club. Lifestyle clubs usually have websites. You say you found the website. They often have fact sheets, frequently asked questions. Uh, Often there's a contact where you can email someone if you have a couple of questions. And you should know, going to a lifestyle club, no one is required to do anything or anyone. It is really common for couples to go to lifestyle clubs and only have sex with each other just sex in, you know, an erotically charged environment. Maybe they're voyeurs and they want to see other people having sex or being watched having sex themselves. And there's no pressure for that couple to swap or sleep with other people. They may get hit on, they may get offers, but there's no pressure. I did a kind of uh, a whole chapter in a book about organized heterosexual swinging. And one of the things that I was surprised to discover and then it made a kind of intuitive sense afterwards is that these spaces are very matriarchal. They're very much run for the the good ones, the ones that last, for the safety and comfort of the women who are there because the whole thing, again, collapses if women feel unsafe and the women leave and then you've got a bunch of straight guys standing around with their dicks in their hands and nothing and no one to do. So it makes sense to me that this woman, if there's an active established lifestyle club in her area that she is familiar with and has a membership at to want to plan her hookups with new men there as opposed to at her home where maybe that's one of the rules with her and her husband that no hookups in our house or at your apartment where she may feel not on her own turf, not safe. It makes sense that she would arrange to have hookups at this lifestyle club where there are going to be witnesses, other people around, where often there are, you know, the people who run it, sometimes bouncers. So if she shows up and has a bad feeling about you and turns you down, and you as some, not saying you call her would do this, but some straight men have a bad reaction to rejection. If she was in your apartment and wasn't feeling it and wanted to go, she would have to worry about what kind of reaction you might have, and she'd have no backup. If you were in a hotel room, same deal. If you're in a lifestyle club, there's a whole bunch of other people around, including the people who run the club, including potentially bouncers, and you were to have, worst case scenario, a bad reaction if she wasn't feeling it, or when you guys met face-to-face, she didn't want to go through with it. Yeah, makes sense to me why she would want to plan at least your first meetup at this club. So, if I were you, and I really wanted that pussy, I would go. Hi, Dan. I'm a 27-year-old cis straight woman living in L.A., and I'm calling because I slept with my ex, who is currently in a relationship. We broke up a little over two years ago, and since then, he has been with this woman for over a year. They just moved in together. We had a messy, toxic breakup, so I dropped contact because I wasn't truly over him. And then recently, due to a real lapse in judgment on my part, I let him back into my life. Despite being in what I know is a monogamous, completely closed relationship, he's been flirting. And what I thought was jokingly pursuing me for about six weeks. A few nights ago, he came over, we got drunk, and then we fucked. In the heat of the moment, I lost my head and I let him convince me to keep it a secret and that we could keep seeing each other secretly. In the days since, I've come to my senses, realized what I did was fucked up and cut contact with him. I've also scheduled a session with my therapist to deal with the reason I did this on my end. My question for you is, Do I need to tell his girlfriend what happened? All three of us work in the same close-knit and gossipy industry. She is an acquaintance of mine, and I know through friends of friends that she is a good and kind person. 
I also know from him that their monogamy is an important part of the relationship to her. My friends are telling me the right thing to do is to come clean and give her all the information. Maybe I'm being a coward because I know she will resent me for this, but I would rather wash my hands of this fucked up thing, take this secret with me, and let him manage his own relationship. So, Dan, what do I do? Someone needs to come clean here, but it's not you. It's him. If you work in the same small gossipy industry as your ex-boyfriend and his current girlfriend and some of your friends already know that you hooked up with your ex-boyfriend a number of times, despite the fact that he's in a monogamous relationship with a new woman who they also know, there's a very real chance this is going to get back to your ex-boyfriend's current girlfriend. And that should concern your ex-boyfriend. I don't think the right thing to do here is to go have a conversation with the new girlfriend and blow up their relationship and his life. I think the right thing to do is go to your ex-boyfriend and say, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm not going to lie. And if she asks me what happened, I'm going to tell her. And there's a very real chance here that she's going to find out. And you might, if you want this relationship to survive the crisis of your or our infidelity, the way we cheated or the way you cheated on her with me, if you want your relationship with her to survive that coming crisis, you should probably get in front of it and tell her yourself. I'm generally con the ex going to the current to tell them that the person they're with now slept with them. It's really hard to control for being small or petty or vindictive or seeking retribution. It feels like I'm doing the right thing. I'm telling this woman something that she needs to know. Better to sit back confident that she is going to discover what you discovered about your ex. He's a shitty person in her own time and probably pretty soon. And you don't have to do more than you've already done. And there's no way for you to be the messenger here. You're not going to exonerate yourself from the wrong that you committed against her or participated in being committed against her by, you know, riding the white horse in now to tell her this truth. So you should have stayed the fuck away from your ex-boyfriend. I would encourage you to stay the fuck away now from your ex-boyfriend. And that includes staying the fuck away from his relationship, staying the fuck away from his current girlfriend, not barging in, to rescue her from him. You didn't care about her or her feelings when you were fucking him. Let's not pretend to care about her or her feelings now. All right, maybe that's too mean. Maybe you actually do care about her. There have been times when I've done terrible things myself that wronged people that I legitimately did care about. It's possible, I'm just going to put it out there, possible you care about her. Even so, she will not perceive you that way. You are not the right messenger. And if a whole lot of people in your gossipy industry already know what happened, a messenger is on their way to her. And it doesn't have to be you. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for sex, the best mattress for sleep, and the best mattress for self-care. I know because I do all those things on my Helix mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. 
They have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if, like me, you sleep hot. Mattresses great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-sized sleepers. Terry and I took the Helix quiz, and we were matched with the Midnight Luxe mattress because we wanted something with medium firmness, and we both tend to move around a lot at night when we sleep. We love it. Our Helix mattress that we got for us was so comfortable. We got a Helix mattress for the guest room too, and our Helix mattresses can handle everything we throw at them. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com slash savage, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Then it arrives at your door, shipped for free, and your life changes for the better. Helix Sleep has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try out your new mattress for 100 nights risk-free. You'll even pick it up if you don't love it, but you're going to love it. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is also offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. Hello, Dan. I'm a cis woman in her early 30s, and I'm calling today because I need advice. I have two young kids, and I feel like I have a 32-year-old kid as well. My fiancé and I met in 2018, and after only three months of dating, we found out that I was pregnant. Of course, at that point, we didn't truly know anything about each other, but I've tried hard to turn the initial lust into love. Things were bumpy at the start with growing pains on both sides, but we got through it. I got pregnant with our second son in 2020, and that's when things really started to change in the relationship. I feel like since then, the life has been sucked out of me, and I'm a shell of the fun, confident, and energetic person I used to be. I know it's not just motherhood and the mental load of caring everything for our family because I feel almost recharged spending time with my kids and I'm the almost sole caregiver for them. I think it's a result of my relationship that's made me feel insecure, unhappy, and lonely. It's been really hard and I've been forgiving of him cheating, his frequent overconsumption of alcohol, which progressively got worse after we found out I was pregnant as well as many threats of leaving me after I set firm boundaries with his drinking while being near our kids. He once went as far as to turn his phone off, not show up all night until the sun came up the next day, broke a coffee pot and passed out with glass all over the floor. And that behavior to me is unacceptable with young kids in the house and is one thing I'm not willing to compromise on. I feel like the dynamic we've gotten into is like a parent-child dynamic and I've had to constantly set boundaries with him on things that I feel like should be common sense at this age. I also do his laundry, clean up after him, and all this has resulted in me having zero sex drive or desire for intimacy. I guess my question is, should I end our relationship and prioritize my happiness or try to continue to tough it out for the sake of my kids growing up in a home with both parents? Is it worth getting back into couples therapy again and trying to rebuild? I just want to do right by my kids, and I'm terrified that at the end... Of all of this, we won't have a healthy co-parenting dynamic and our children will suffer as a result of that. They didn't ask to be brought into this world 
into what now feels like a broken home. And I truly just want to be a positive example for them and help shape them into the best versions of themselves so that they can one day be loving and supportive partners to a lucky boy or girl if they choose to pursue romantic relationships. You say after you realize you're pregnant that first time that eventually you got through it with growing pains on both sides. Listening to the rest of your call, it doesn't sound like he's grown much and it doesn't sound like you're happy in this relationship. You say that you're a shell of the fun, confident, energetic person you used to be, not just from the stress and exhaustion of parenting two very young children, but because you're also not parenting this guy. You're putting up with his drinking, the chaos, the drama of accommodating him in your life. And for what? So that your kids have both parents in the home, but one of those parents is clearly an unhappy person with a drinking problem who does not want to be in that home, who is making the other parent, that would be you, fucking miserable. That's not a good situation for those kids. I have in the past come down on the side of make it work for the kids, but only if the relationship that's being made to work is a low conflict relationship and there is a partnership there that can function and is functional, functions functionally. That's not the case here. You're recharged when you spend time with your kids alone. You're exhausted when the meteor that is this person that you had these kids with slams into you and your family and your home and your little planet that you're on with your kids. You need to end this relationship. And from the way he's behaving, whether he's consciously aware of this or not, he wants out. He wants you to end it. He doesn't want to be the guy who abandoned his fiance. Thank God you haven't married this motherfucker yet. He doesn't want to be the guy who abandoned his fiance and kids. He would rather be the guy who, you know, gets to swan around and play the victim and get fucking hammered playing the victim because you took his kids and left. When someone wants to be left and they engage in this kind of behavior, it escalates over time. He, I, you know, based on what you've shared, I think he wants you to leave him and he will continue to up the ante. He will continue to drink and be chaotic and unhelpful and exhausting and untrustworthy and dangerous until you go. Go now. Don't marry this motherfucker. Leave him and have a life that makes you feel recharged, makes you feel happy with your kids without him in the home. All right, that's my advice for you, and I'm building a little wall here between the advice I just gave you and the advice I want to give everyone else. I'm happy for you. I'm happy you have these children in your life. I'm happy that they make you happy. It sounds like you are a good parent. Please go parent and love these kids in a healthy single parent home, which is better than an unhealthy, dysfunctional double parent home. I wish you the best. This is advice for other people. If you're seeing someone for a couple of months and you find out you're pregnant and you really don't know anything about each other, that's when you get an abortion. That's not when you have a kid. 
I'm sure some people are angered hearing me say that. I think abortion is a social and moral good, and abortion should be normalized, particularly places where it's still fucking legal, in states where that's still fucking possible, and in instances like this. You can have an abortion and then have a child with that same person that you had an abortion with if, as you get to know them better, you decide this is someone you want to have kids with and be with for the rest of your life. You can conceive again with that same person, if you so choose, at a later date. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your presence and growing your business or creative project online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell stuff. Now, I have a confession to make. I'm in a band, and we use Squarespace for our website. It's true. And I'm really glad we do, because building and maintaining it is easy. I'm no graphic designer. Our baritone player isn't a tech wizard. And the trumpet player is hopeless. But together, we got her done. I love that you can collaborate easily. If I want to go in and update shows we're having, it's no problem. I can add video and audio to the site whenever I want, and any of the bandmates can hop in and do the same. Squarespace also makes it easy for creators to monetize their content and expertise in a way that fits their unique style. With a feature they call Member Areas, you can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. They also offer ways to set up email campaigns and connect with social media. Squarespace is like your smart business partner. They think of everything. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hey, Dan, how's it going? I am a 27-year-old heterosexual male from Chicago, and I've got a question for you. So I want to ask, started seeing a girl as of recent, and there's two kinks that I wanted to bring up to her. One being, I think, a little more common than the other. The first kink is just cross-dressing. I just sometimes like to wear panties and bras. And this is just typically just disguised underneath, you know, regular clothes. So no one can ever tell unless, you know, clothes are off. And then the other kink I have, which I don't even, I looked it up online and I really couldn't find much about it. But, um... I sometimes like to wear uh, women's sanitary products, so like maxi pads. These are two kinks that I don't know how to display, tell this partner that I'm seeing about. It's a real dilemma for people with serious kinks. Kinks like yours, which I would count as serious because some people would have reactions, have feelings, have thoughts about them and not always kind thoughts or kind feelings about them. And the dilemma is, do you go out there and you find somebody who's kinky, or do you go out there and meet somebody who might not be kinky, or might be, you're dating this woman, she doesn't know about your kinks, it's possible that she has kinks she hasn't disclosed to you, less likely that a woman would have kinks that she hasn't disclosed to her male partner, because women tend to be less kinky than men are, But you either go out there and find somebody who's kinky or you go out there and find somebody who is presumed to be vanilla and at some point you lay your kink cards down on the table. And the the real conundrum for kinky people is that you know that if you put your kinks out there first, a lot of people who 
you might have really liked, might have vibed with, as the kids were saying, until they heard me say it, at which point they promptly stopped saying it, would have passed on you. They would have seen your kinks listed on your Tinder or Hinge or Christian's Mingle or Farmer's Only ad and just swiped left or right, whichever was appropriate to say no, and said no and never given you a chance. And there are so many kinky people out there who are in wonderful relationships with partners who are GGG for them, who go there for them, and may have even grown into kink with their partners, where the person who was kinky didn't disclose at first. They waited for someone who might have rejected them out of hand if they disclosed their kinks right away to get to know them. And then, you know, when you lay your kink cards down on the table, the person that you're with is weighing assumptions they might have about kinky people or assumptions they might have about your kinks against the person that they've gotten to know. And you're not a monster. You're a good person and you're a good lay. I think one of the things that you're doing when you wait to lay your kink cards down on the table is you're having a bunch of vanilla sex with somebody for a while so that they can see or that they do see and that they know once you lay your kink cards down on the table that you can have quote unquote normal sex and enjoy it and be good at it, which is something they might factor in after you've laid your king cards down on the table uh, when they're making the decision about whether to continue to see you or not and continue to date you or not. All right, so obviously you don't have the luxury, the option A here, disclosing in advance of getting into a relationship with someone you're already in this relationship. How do you roll this out? You just open your mouth and force the words out. You know, that you sometimes like to wear a bra and panties under your clothes and that's a dirty secret for you and makes you feel sexy and naughty and as if you've got hidden depths and contain multitudes and some of those people in your multitudes are wearing bras and panties right now. Most women are going to be able to wrap their heads around that. It's not too great a leap, I think, for a woman who understands why her boyfriend might want to wear a bra and panties to understand why her boyfriend might also want to wear a sanitary pad as an extension of sorts of the kink of the bra and panties thing, of the dirty secret thing, of the wearing articles of clothing or articles of sanitation that are traditionally associated with the other sex, the opposite sex in your case. But you know, Highly likely, one of my tips for people when you're going to lay your kink cards down on the table, highly likely that the person you're disclosing this to is going to have a bad reaction at first, that you're going to get an ew yuck out of the gate. And if that's going to shatter you or shred your self-esteem, maybe don't lay your kink cards down on the table or only date people that you've met through, you know, fetish websites or who read a list of your kinks on your dating profiles on Normie or Vanilla websites because when you lay those king cards down, you are likely to get a negative reaction on impulse because sex negativity runs so deep, because kink phobia runs so deep, and people will have a reaction of ooh, yuck, no, when what the reaction they're really having is, huh, what? Oh. But they frame it in a negative way and it comes out ooh, yuck, no. So you have to be able to endure that ooh, yuck, no and get past it and keep talking. And you have to do it without being ashamed of your kinks. People don't pick their kinks. Our kinks, in a sense, pick us. 
And you want to be with someone who knows who you are sexually, knows what turns you on, someone that you can be fully honest and fully open with about your desires, your erotic imagination, and you want the person that you're with to feel that they can be open with you in the same way. And if the person you're disclosing these things to can't see the compliment in the disclosure and they can't see the freedom that your disclosure grants them, you know, to make their own disclosures, their own requests, then they may not be someone that you want to waste your time on dating. Even if you weren't kinky, you wouldn't want to be with somebody you couldn't be yourself with. You wouldn't want to be with somebody who looked at you being honest and making yourself vulnerable and didn't see in that uh, a person they wanted to be with or at least a person they wanted to try to make shit work with. This episode of the Savage Love Cast is brought to you by me, Undies, here at Savage Love Industries Incorporated. We are body positive. I know my listeners come in all shapes, all sizes, all of them sexy. Me Undies knows this too, and that's why Me Undies has the softest undies, bralettes, loungewear, and more that are made to fit just right with a great variety of shapes, sizes, and fits for all of you. I like to keep my wardrobe simple, so when I found the right cut of underpants, I stuck with it. And me undies keep sending me the perfect size, a size that I love. And if you must know, I am right now wearing a pair of me undies boxer briefs. Nancy likes them boy shorts. Terry likes his briefs. We are all happy in our me undies underpants. MeUndies believes that comfort is about more than what's touching your skin. It's about feeling comfortable in your own skin. And comfort starts with finding the perfect fit and size for you, which is why MeUndies wear tests on all sizes, extra small to 4XL for everything they make. Everything. They also offer different cuts for different butts in bold colors and fun and adventurous prints. MeUndies wants you to find comfort in your size so the world can be a happier and comfier place for every booty. MeUndies promises if you're not comfortable with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. And MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. To get that 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, and a comfier butt and a comfier world, go to MeUndies.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to MeUndies.com slash savage. Hey, Dan. So I had a question for you. I brought up the idea of an open relationship to my soon-to-be husband, and he's definitely, of course, okay with having sex with other women, but is unsure about me having sex with other men. He's very open-minded, and I think that he'll come around. But another issue that we've been having in our sexual relationship is him not able to stay hard. I think that he should take over-the-counter pills or maybe a Viagra. He's about 28, about to be 29, and I'm not sure if that would mess with his libido or have any permanent effects on him, which is what he's worried about. But it makes me upset because he did that in a past relationship where he would take over-the-counter dick pills to maintain his sex drive. This is not something that's new. He's struggled with being able to stay hard. And so I think opening up the relationship to where he could have sex with other women would be amazing, but I'm also worried that he may not be able to stay hard. There are no ED medications that are over the counter. As far as I know, all 
actual ED medications. We're not talking about herbal supplements for sale at the truck stop checkout counter require a doctor's prescription. So these aren't over the counter, the prescribed meds that you pick up at a counter at the pharmacy, but and they hand them to you over the counter, but they're not over the counter. That means you don't need a prescription. Your boyfriend will need a prescription. People don't take, men don't take, penis havers don't take ED meds to sustain their libido. They don't take ED meds to get horny. ED meds are not Spanish fly. They're not an aphrodisiac. ED meds make it possible for a guy who is horny to have the erection he would like to have at that moment, the reliable erection he'd like to have at that moment. And if your boyfriend is having problems around obtaining, maintaining, and sustaining, as they say, an erection, he should definitely look into the different kinds of ED meds that are available and are really, really effective. And the things he seems to believe about ED meds that they're going to ruin his libido or somehow diminish his sex drive, that that's not true. And he could talk that out with a physician and get some reassurance. And then you could get the hard dick to ride on that you'd like to have, which is an entirely separate issue from opening up the relationship. You would like to open the relationship. His response was he can see himself sleeping with other women and he's comfortable with the, the idea of him getting to sleep with other women, but he's not so comfortable with the idea of you sleeping with other men. Huh. So yeah, I don't think an open relationship is in the offing here. And in the pressing for that open relationship, you may wind up offing the relationship that you're in now, which, you know, may not be such a bad thing, may not be something you want to avoid because... If you would like to be in an open relationship and that's not the kind of relationship that he would like to be in, then you guys are not compatible in important ways or an important way. You may be sexually compatible when you're having sex with each other. You may be emotionally compatible in that you click and you enjoy each other's company and you respect him and he respects you, but you might not be relationally compatible in that you don't want the same kind of relationship model. If this is a Hail Mary pass open request, if the only reason you're asking to open the relationship is because he can't get or stay hard and you miss being dicked down, that's not a great reason to open a relationship. That's a problem that he needs to solve. And then you can move on to a conversation about opening the relationship. If you want to open the relationship for opening the relationship's sake. If you're not just wanting to open the relationship to, you know, paper over the cracks. So yeah, your boyfriend needs to talk to not you about ED meds, not me. I'm not a doctor necessarily. I do know a lot about them, but I'm not a doctor about ED meds. He needs to talk to his doctor about ED meds and he needs to get with the ED med program and start using them again as he's used them in past relationships and then I would, if I were you, kick the can down the road, three months, six months, and then see if an open relationship is actually what you really want, or if once he's dicking you down again the way you want to be dicked down, if that desire for an open relationship isn't there. But if it is, yeah, it doesn't get to be open for him and closed for you, or he gets to sleep with women, and you only get to sleep with women if you are not attracted to women and if it's dick you want and other men you want, you will have to 
issue an ultimatum that could wind up ending this relationship. And again, if he won't do anything about his dick and he wants this kind of sexist double standard where openness is concerned, eh, maybe it's not a relationship you want to work too hard to save. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some of this week's listener tweets. Sam Lane tweets, Small niggle with something you said on episode 801, Dan. Kids are not special needs. They may have special needs, but it's not what or who they are. We don't say cancer kid or Downs kid, for example, and we shouldn't say special needs kid either. Thanks for pointing that out, Sam Lane. I will try to remember that and do better. Warming his heart tweets, my boyfriend developed a hematoma a week after top surgery, and the only thing getting me through not being allowed to see him due to COVID restrictions while he's hospitalized is fake Dan Savage's Savage Lovecast. Thank you for helping me keep it together, Dan, while my boyfriend is on the brink of bursting. All right, usually a boyfriend on the brink of bursting is a good thing, but definitely not a good thing when it's a hematoma we're talking about that could burst. So we're all wishing your boyfriend a speedy recovery, warming his heart, and here's hoping you guys are back together again very soon and bursting in good ways. And finally, Sinead tweets, to the girl in episode 799 of the Savage Lovecast worried about a rebound relationship, it may technically be a rebound relationship, but it could also be your best relationship. Happened to me in the love of my life, go for it. That was my advice to that caller, go for it. But if the caller didn't listen to me when I told her to go for it, here's hoping she listens to you, Sinead. And your tweet got me thinking, rebound relationships. We all know what those are. We know what that means. A new relationship that started right after you got out of an old relationship. But sometimes people don't get out of that old relationship before they start the new one. We don't call those pre-bound relationships, but it seems to me that maybe we should. All right, thanks to everybody who posted your social media this week about the Lovecast, to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. We really appreciate everybody who helps spread the word about the Lovecast. And if you want me to read your tweet on next week's episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And now, listener response calls. This is a message for the mom in episode 801 who was contemplating polyamory in the future with her husband. I highly recommend that during this time where you guys are closing up your relationship for right now, take the time to read up uh, some books, podcasts, find Instagram pages on polyamory and start discussing them with your husband and start like sharing information and doing the work together um, so that you guys can be stronger for each other in the future. And so that when the time comes to really open up, you guys already have absorbed enough polyamory theory and made it your own based on the needs. And, you know, it's always a rough start. There's some really hard parts about being polyamorous. But um, if you have a supportive partner like your husband has shown himself to be, then you guys have nothing to be afraid of. Hello, Dan. I am calling in regards to episode 801 and the caller who was looking for help finding clothing that they thought would express who they are and, and how they felt about their identity, etc. My best advice for that, because that's always been something that was important to me, is to see if you can find a seamstress or a tailor who can make clothing for you. I know at first this sounds sort of absurd and costly, and um, it can be, but I've been doing this since I was in high school. My sister-in-law, 
she and I used to design clothes and make clothes for me. We would get patterns and then we'd buy the wrong kind of fabric or then we'd take off a collar or put a pocket over here or switch something. And I always had clothing that felt customized and and felt like it really expressed who I was. And I continued to do that throughout my life. It can be costly, but I have to say that it's worth it. If you you really have an idea of something that you want to wear and it's impossible to find, sometimes I've purchased like two shirts and had my seamstress take the sleeves off of one shirt and put them on the other because that's what I wanted. Even if you get one thing, like just imagine if you had the perfect, perfect shirt that really was like, this is me, and it really speaks to who I am and how I want to present to the world. It's a start. Hey, Dan, this is a response call for the woman in episode 801 who is sober and dating, not looking for anything serious. Something that I feel like you missed out here was that it's a weekend because it's Super Bowl Sunday, and it sounds like they hung out Friday, and then Saturday, and then she wanted to hang out Sunday again. She said she wasn't looking for anything serious. And I know for me, when I'm just starting to date somebody, especially if it's under the context of being more casual, um, them asking to hang out every night of a weekend right off the bat when we meet uh, raises a bit of a yellow flag for me. In addition, she said drinking wasn't a problem as long as they were sober around her. Maybe a weeknight, you know, maybe this guy has a stressful job and he likes to drink with his buddies on the weekend. He has people in from out of town, you know, maybe try again on a weekday or think about your expectations with new people dating and seeing them every single day and whether that really translates to something more casual like what you're looking for. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's show or a comment about something I said on this week's show? Think you can give better advice? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. This Thursday is Sack Lunch, my monthly Zoom hangout exclusively for Magnum Savage Lovecast subscribers, where I take Magnum subs questions live and... Give Magnum subs the chance to spar with me about the advice I give to others and to give some advice themselves. If you're already a Magnum sub, well, first off, thank you very much. You will receive the Zoom link Thursday morning. If you're not a Magnum sub, this is the perfect time to sign up so you can join in the fun of this week's sack lunch. Go to savage.love slash lovecast to become a Magnum sub today. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage, and you can find Dr. Susan McDonald's case study on urology case reports. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Artunian, and me and the tech savvy at-risk youth and Nancy, we'll all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.